Welcome to this vidcast, which deals with an accounting subject, IFRS 16, Accounting for Leases. We are not going to take a look only at the technical aspect of it, I mean calculations, but we are also going to take the perspective of the financial analyst and eventually address the key issue of the financial control of operating decisions. Now, it's supposedly a new standard because it showed for the first time in the 2019 accounts of the companies. The origin of this new standard is to take into account the commitment made by the companies, contractual and also partly economical commitment, of future payments originated by the fact that you introduce in your operations an asset for which you are going to pay today, tomorrow and the day after. When there is a time lag between the moment you integrate the asset in your business operations and the moment you pay for it, it's qualified as an investment. Then it should show as an incremental fixed asset and also as an incremental financial resource. As the remuneration is of contractual nature, it's going to be a financial debt for which remuneration is contractual. Then there will be obviously an impact on the balance sheet, but also on the P&L. It's part of the process of financialization of accounting. This did not start yesterday. And you remember, for example, the impairment test. What do you do for the impairment test? You use financial methods to evaluate an accounting asset. Then when you want to account for a commitment at its financial value, you are going to identify cash flows, cash commitments. You're going to discount them. You are going to accumulate the discounted cash flows. And the discounting rate is supposedly consistent with the risk of the asset. It's exactly the same process as calculating the net present value of an investment or and the enterprise value of business operations. We are going to first look at some technical considerations. What are the principles behind the calculation? With an example and the associated calculations, I'm going to show you the impact on the balance sheet when it first shows in the balance sheet and how you account for the first year of operations with impact on, respectively, EBITDA, EBIT, operating income, net financial debt, financial debt and cash. There will be some applications also looking at the annual reports of American Tower. The educational film of this month is about American Tower. And during the film, I mentioned the fact that IFRS 16 is a specific issue, which is going to be detailed in another document. This is where I discuss American Tower IFRS 16. We are also going to discuss two companies which were the subject of a previous educational film, McDonald's and Starbucks. It's about real estate and lease payments. I will conclude with some management and financial control considerations. Let's start with the principles of the calculations. You first start with the contractual commitments, lease payments in the future. You need to add an economic commitment. Very often in the contract, there is embedded in the contract an option which is going to be exercised with a high probability. It's named a bargain purchase option. At the end of the contract, you have the right to buy the asset at a price which is much less than its value. So it's not a contractual commitment, it's an economic commitment. Then you calculate the present value of all these commitments, contractual and economic, and it gives you the debt value. To discount the cash flows, you use a marginal borrowing rate, 
with the same maturity as the maturity of the contract. You calculate the dead value and you immediately consider that it's also the value of the asset. But what you are going to show in the balance sheet is the financial value of the asset plus potential contract fees. The counterpart of that will be that these contract fees are going to reduce cash by the same amount. Then you can start the financial amortization of the debt and you can start the accounting depreciation of the asset. Now let's start with an example. You have a contract, 10 years, 10 annual lease payments of $100,000 each, a bargain purchase option at the end, which means that you have the right to buy for $240,000, something which will be worth certainly much more, probability of exercise very high. The 10-year marginal borrowing rate is 6%, and there will be some contract fees which are going to be generated when you sign the contract of $20,000. The first thing you do is you discount all these lease payments, $100,000, by 6% over 1, 2, and 10 years. So you divide 100 by 1.06 to the first power, the second power, and the tenth power. You accumulate these discounted cash flows and you get 736, rounding the figures, obviously. The bargain purchase option as an exercise price, which is 240, is going to take place in year 10. So you divide by 1 plus 6% to the tenth power. It adds 134 to the financial value of the commitment. The financial liability you are going to show in your balance sheet is then the sum of these two figures. I mean, 870,000. 870,000 is the value of the asset to which you add the contract fees, which is 20,000. Then the non-current asset is gross value, which is going to show in your balance sheet, is 890. But the cash in the balance sheet is going to be reduced by the fact that these contract fees are actually cashed out, actually paid. So the initial balance sheet is nicely balancing, which is quite good news, because on the equity and liability side, it's up by 870. On the asset side, it's up by 890, less 20, which is 870. Now, what happens during the first year of operations? You remember, first you depreciate the non-current asset, gross value 890 divided by 10, annual depreciation 89. What about the interest expense? You have a financial liability of 870 and the interest rate, which you used in order to calculate the financial value is 6%. So you are going to show an interest expense of 6% of 870, which is exactly 52.2. The total expense now is a sum of depreciation and interest expense, which is going to show in the P&L. Depreciation 89, Interest expense 52.2, then the total expense is going to be 141.2. The lease payment cash out is supposedly 100. It takes into account interest payment, which is 52.2, and the redemption of the debt. So redemption is a difference between 100 and 52.2, which is 47.8. Then you have the total impact on the asset. The non-current asset is going to be down by the depreciation of the year, 89. The cash is going to be down by 100 because you actually cash out the lease payment. 
total impact 189. What about the impact on the other side of the balance sheet, equity and liabilities? Well, equity is about the profit of the year. I take a profit before tax and I exclude the tax calculation from this example, which is complex enough. So the cost is 141.2 and the redemption of the debt is 47.8. As a consequence, equity and liabilities are down by 189. It's the same figure and assets are still matching with equity and liabilities. Again, good news. Now let's get into the detail of the impact of accounting for leases on the financial statements. Now what about the real EBITDA? Now post-lease payment. Well, if you account for the IFRS 16, it's going to be up by 100 because the 100 disappears and is replaced by depreciation and interest expense. But EBITDA is before depreciation and before the interest expense. So the EBITDA is up by 100. The EBIT also is up. Why? Because depreciation is 89 when the lease payment is supposedly 100. So it's up by 100 and down by 89 because EBIT is before interest but after depreciation. So net, it's up by 11. The profit before tax is down by 41.2. Because the lease payment of 100 was replaced by an accumulation of depreciation and interest, all in all, it represents 141.2, which is 41.2 more than 100. Total balance sheet already discussed, down by 89, which is basically the depreciation of the asset. Obviously, there is no change in the cash because before tax, you pay the lease of 100, or you pay interest and capital redemption of the debt of 52.2 plus 47.8, which is mechanically 100. Now, our first application, observing what happened to American Tower Corporation. You remember that the company is building towers on pieces of land. The piece of land is owned by American Tower or is owned by the landlord. Then the company precisely communicates on the fact that it has long-term leasehold agreement with the landlord. And now it's about the piece of land. This commitment is absolutely fundamental for the company because the towers have to remain on the piece of land. But these commitments, annual report, represent more than $10 billion. It has to show somewhere in the balance sheet. The average maturity of the lease contract is 13 years. And the company is proud of communicating on that because it means stability over the next 13 years. The interest rate which is going to be used by the company to discount the lease payment is 6.1%. And the company also communicates the amounts year by year for the next five years and the rest of it for the remaining eight years on the average. Now, this is the actual communication which you read in the 10K report 2019. First five years, 2020, etc., up to 2024. Thereafter, an additional few billions. The total is 10.3 billion. And then the company says less amounts representing interests 3.3, the net is 7. When you make the calculation, you first identify the lease payment, non-discounted, 
nominal. Then you calculate the equivalent financial lease liability, discounting the cash flows. That the act number two is calculating the seven. Act number three is 10.3. Less seven is 3.3. This is a sequence of the calculation. Now I took all these figures and I put that on a spreadsheet. You have the lease payment, the first five years, and as the average maturity of the lease contract is 13 years, I consider that I could split the remaining, the residual lease payment over the next eight years. That's an approximation. Let's have a look at the calculation. I took the same discount rate, 6.1, discounted the lease payment, accumulated, and got 7 billion and 80 million which nicely compares with 7 billion and 4 or 5 million. So you understand that the calculation gives absolutely the same order of magnitude. Then you can reach the same non-discounted nominal lease payment, 10.3 billion. I take the financial calculation, which is a result of discounting, 7 billion and 80 million. The difference between these two is the amount which represents the interest. So you have 10.3 and you have to make the split between the financial value and the interest accumulated over the life of this contract. But there is a very important parameter to take into account. This is a discount rate. You all know that when you calculate the net present value for a project or the enterprise value for a business, the result of the calculation is very sensitive to the discount rate, the WAC. I calculated the apparent interest rate, which is a consequence of dividing the interest expense by the financial debt of the company. You can also read in the annual report, notes on the consolidated financial statements, the rate at which the company borrowed money in the last years. And then you observe that the new debt issues were at a rate which is 3%. You remember that what we have to take is the marginal borrowing rate. Now you take the same spreadsheet and you replace 6.1 by 4. Then the financial debt is up by 1 billion. If you replace by 3, it's up by 1.5 billion. Then if you look at the financial balance sheet of the company and you look at the evolution of the financial debt, it was 24 before accounting for leases. Now it is 31, it's an increase by 30% as it shows Q3 2020. Now if you replace 6% by 4 or 3%, it's not 31, but it should be 32 or 32.5. So you understand that there is an increase, but which is not that big. As far as McDonald's and Starbucks are concerned, real estate is a very important part of the business operations. Then accounting for leases is going to have a significant impact on the balance sheet. In the quick service restaurant activity, if you are the owner or not, it changes the picture. You remember that McDonald's owns about 70% of the restaurant sites. Now, if you look at the impact of the right of use asset in the balance sheet, you simply add $14 billion. It adds to non-current assets of $25 billion, so it's a significant increase. And non-current financial debt is today $35. It's up by $14 billion. Again, a very significant increase. But it's even more dramatic for Starbucks, because for Starbucks, each and every point of sales is 
under a leasehold agreement. Then the non-current assets, property, plant and equipment for the company is 6 billion before accounting for leases. It's 6 plus 8 now. As far as non-current financial debt is concerned, it was 14 billion and now it's 14 plus 8. So you understand that there is a huge impact on the assets productivity, the assets turnover, because assets turnover is sales, revenues divided by capital employed. Capital employed is very much up. Assets turnover is significantly down. Financial structure, it's a bit more ambiguous because if you look at the financial leverage, debt over EBITDA, well, debt is up, but EBITDA is up as well. So there is a combination between these two. As far as the gearing is concerned, which is debt divided by equity, there is no ambiguity because equity remains the same and debt is up. So what's interesting on a financial analysis perspective is when you account for leases, uh, the situations of both McDonald's and Starbucks are a little bit converging in terms of understanding the financial commitment of a very big part of their activity. So the financial analysis, its quality, it's improving. You remember I said at the beginning of the vidcast that it was not that new. I remember a few years ago, uh, accounting for capital lease, US GAPS, FAS 13. It was issued in 1977. The objective of this standard was that companies improve their communication on the financial value of each and every contractual commitment. Because some companies were hiding their assets and their debt behind leases. The characteristics of a capital lease were quite the same. Ownership transfer in the end, bargain purchase option, a significant present value of lease payments, a significant duration of the contract, and the same for the discount rate. You take the lease payment and you discount at the marginal borrowing rate. Now this leads to some management comments. Why do we ask companies to communicate on this information? Of course, when I discuss with accounting department, controlling department, they all say it was a very significant workload up front. And they hated that because you have to collect all the contracts. You have to make a financial analysis of all these contracts. It was absolutely terrible. The good news on the other side is that you have a deeper knowledge of the actual financial economics of the firm. You have a better understanding of what's behind all these contracts. That's good for the investors, for the shareholders, for the financial creditors, for the bondholders, as well as the equity analysts and the debt analysts, rating agencies. But it's also quite interesting for the company itself. Because at the end of the day, it's a better financial control of business operations. Business operations, they take decisions, and these decisions have a significant impact on the medium term of the company or the long term of the company. Now, if you have a better understanding and knowledge of these financial impacts on the future, you improve your financial control, which is good for the company. So, as a conclusion, Welcome to IFRS 16, and it's nice to see you on board. Thank you very much.